Welcome to the Roberta Style Lee Inspirational Women Series, a place for women from around the globe to share their inspiring stories, discover what makes them tick, what makes them vulnerable, how they deal with the good times and the bad, and what keeps them happy, healthy, confident, and sane. Get ready to be inspired. Here's your host, Roberta Lee. This is episode 23 on the Roberta Stowley podcast. And today I have with me Ava Jordan Holmes, who believes in bridging the gap between the industries of conservation and she believes that fashion is key to human survival. So I'm really excited to welcome Ava onto the show and share with us some of her amazing stories and how she's got to where she is today. Hello, Ava. Hi, Roberta. How's it going? Really good. I'm so glad to have you here. And thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. And just know that everybody's going to love hearing your story. So I gave you a, a very brief introduction, but I wonder if you could just give us a little bit more insight into what it is you're currently doing and, and where you're located. And I'm not sure whether that question about location is particularly relevant for you because <laughs> I know that you're everywhere. <laughs> sure, yeah, no problem. So currently our focus is a brand called Fashion for Conservation and the idea is relevant to my intro which is combining the, the worlds of fashion and conservation um, and we do this by inviting designers, stylists, fashion directors, creative directors from the fashion side to use their talents and their industries um, for conservation. Usually that ends up being through fashion events. So we showcase at London Fashion Week, um, New York Fashion Week, other fashion weeks throughout the U.S. and upcoming in Paris Fashion Week, we showcase exhibitions of wildlife-inspired um, collections, nature-inspired collections, and collections done in collaboration with Indigenous communities um, in order to, again, bridge the gap between the fashion world and the conservation world. And because of that, I end up spending quite a bit of time uh, between the two worlds, I always say, you know, one foot in, in, and one foot kind of has bare feet is sort of my motto is bare feet or stilettos because I spend about half my year um, in on conservation sites currently in Peru quite spending quite a bit of time in Las Piedras um, which is a region of Madre de Dios Peru and we're down there what I'm doing is checking out the conservation work that we're funding through these events and um, I'll tell you a little bit more about that later and then the other half of the year um, mostly throughout Europe and New York um, doing fashion shows and fashion events that are fundraising for conservation so I guess that gives a, a quick overview but I'm sure we'll go more into it yeah. so yeah fashion for conservation is, is my focus and I'm excited to share more about what we're doing Great. Well, I mean, um, having just, you know, quickly heard that introduction, I, I know that you're not somebody that sits still for very long, but uh, <laughs> tell me a little bit about your personal story. So how did you actually end up doing all of this work, Ava? Yeah, that, that's an interesting question that I've actually just recently come to terms with. Um, basically, I grew up in the forest. My dad is a survival trainer, teaches people from the ages of five to 115 how to live off of nature. So everything from shelter building and tracking and fire making and basically being a modern caveman was what I've always called it. 
And that school is called Primitive Pursuits. Um, it's located in upstate New York currently, but does quite a bit of programming in different places um, in the world. And so growing up around that, I've always had a really deep connection to nature and a really strong connection to the natural world and where we come from. And and that's always been a part of me. Um, and long story short, I ended up working in fashion and completely completely realizing that that wasn't the norm, that most people didn't grow up in the forest their whole entire life without TV or like eating roadkill for dinner. So I, um, yeah, I became a vegan, first of all, and then I started working in fashion. Um, and for uh, almost eight years, I was just working in fashion between uh, New York and started, then started working throughout fashion weeks in Europe always thinking again that sort of my childhood was a one-off and it was kind of weird and I never really talked about it. And, and then, of course, I came to a point of um, of being, I think, in fashion, a lot of us get to a point of feeling quite... Um, quite empty is maybe the right word maybe yeah. maybe that comes in 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 the context of just wanting to change up your position or change up your your collection or change something about your branding but in my case it it really just felt empty it felt like something was missing I couldn't quite put my finger on on what that was until I started um, going to visit conservation sites I spent time with elephants um, I spent time with, you know, different wildlife sanctuaries throughout um, the U.S. and throughout um, Spain, actually, oddly enough. <laughs> um, and then in, Af in several places in Africa and Kenya and, and then most recently in, in Peru. And being in these places, um, I think you just kind of have this overwhelming realization that, that you, that's home. I mean, maybe that's just me, but I, I think it seems like that's the shared experience when people you know, people say there's nothing like looking into an elephant's eyes. People say they feel home, they feel one with, you know, they, they go into the, the hippie language of one with everything. But really, I mean, it's a powerful and overwhelming sensation. I think when you're in these wild places that that is really what, um, what the difference is between a planet that will survive human impact and a planet that won't is, is being connected and, and circling back to, to these places. So anywho, basically, um, that's where I grew up and that's um and when I started revisiting these places I said okay what can what can my work today do to help Im impact and support these places that really mean something to me and that's when we had the idea um the first collaboration we did was with 12 Project Runway designers each one Project Runway is a tv show in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um and each designer designed a wildlife inspired uh piece and then for one month uh, an entire month a model named Gabby Wild, fittingly enough. Um, she's also a veterinarian. She wore one of the pieces for the for an entire month. Um, and so each month of the year, we had sort of a different campaign. And that was, without knowing it, the launch to a very long-term project, which is what we now call Fashion for Conservation. So that's, that's how we got into it. It's always sort of been been an underlying value of mine to support uh, conservation, whether it is nature, wildlife, or indigenous communities. Um, and also, um, my mom grew up, and my mom and I sort of lived right outside of a uh, Navajo reservation in Flagstaff, Arizona, for eight years of my life. So I also spent quite a bit of time with indigenous communities and just have a really deep understanding of how they're an integral part of, of protecting our wild places and our and our you know, our planet. So I think for me, it's, it's, um, fashion for conservation of those, those three, 
um, pillars of what conservation means. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how we've we started. Wow. Well, I mean, that is one <laughs> heck of a, an incredible personal story to, to what you're doing. Um, gosh, you've got you've got so much experience into parts of the world that I suppose a lot of us that have just grown up, you know, either in cities or towns, just would, mm-hmm. would never even consider. So it's really interesting to hear that that's what you know made a massive impression on you, and amazing to mm. see you use fashion, which has an extraordinary reach as a platform to help people understand more about this. I think that's it's amazing what you're doing, Ava. Yeah, and I've got to make a distinction real quick that it's it's actually not me at all. I mean, I have to give credit to the amazing team that's that's sort of snowballed off that first campaign. Uh, the the two co-founders of Fashion for Conservation, one of them is a former creative director of British Vogue. Mm-hmm. So she's sort of like the far fashion end. And the other one lives in the jungle full time. Her name is Samantha Zwicker. And um, she, you know, it's it. there's nothing like keeping you tied to why you're doing what you're doing to have a phone call once a week because she only has Wi-Fi once a week and her telling you these stories of what's happening on the grounds out there. It's actually, it's quite intense and it's quite um, surreal to be there, but it's also another thing to, you know, be in fashion with your full makeup face on and be FaceTiming someone who's covered in mud, <laughs> you know? So I think that contrast is sort of represents who we are and I do my best to represent both sides and, and be the bridge between the two worlds. But oh. yeah. Wow. Amazing. What's the primary focus for yourself and, you know, what's the drive and motivation for you currently with maybe yourself and the project? Yeah, that's a good question. I think for the last few years, I've we've focused quite a bit on events, on production. So in, in my nature of having a background in production, I've been been very production focused Uh, and I'm really excited because this year it's such a good timing for this question we are start we're starting a new um, initiative where we're not only funding community-driven conservation we're not only funding through events um, the conservation causes that we're focused on but we're also starting to work with indigenous communities to create the fashion that's being shared and being displayed and that's super new it's super different than anything that many brands have done, a few few have dabbled in it here and there. So, for example, I'm um, spending the next um, two and a half months in Madre Dios again, visiting six different indigenous communities and bringing designers out there with me to do a collaborative collection with them. So having them detail the clothing, having them embroider it, beat it, and weave it, and in ways that they feel represents their story and their culture and so yeah not only will the funds from those collections and from the events that those collections are shown in go toward um, supporting them through microfinancing and material loaning um, it'll also be curated in collaboration with them so my focus right now is is completely different than it has been in the last few years and I'm really excited about it it just means that I you know, we just get to deepen and deepen and deepen our, our mission um, a little bit more. And so that's kind of where my priority lies in, in the next few months, other than the events that we still have going on. Oh, amazing. So it sounds that uh, like, you know, you, you've got everything kind of under control. I mean, there's three of you that obviously um, sort of spearheading the way forward. <laughs> but as with all things, 
when we look at something from the outside, it can often appear very shiny and glitzy. And we Mm -hmm. can sometimes forget that there are some real struggles that happen behind the scenes uh, for us as individuals or organisations, particularly uh, organisations that, um, you know, are trying to do something very different and pioneering. That I'm I'm wondering whether um, you specifically have got a situation that you could share with our listeners. I don't know whether you've had some really challenging encounter during your personal or professional life and how have you and how have you dealt with that yeah of course and thank you for that question I think it's it's the it's the most it's the most important question not just for fashion for conservation to be completely transparent but also for for anyone in in the startup realm in the social venture realm and in the you know, I think pioneering the space of, of inner cross industry, cross cultural brands. And so we kind of have all three challenges. We've got, we've got being, you know, a social venture, we've got being in a highly competitive marketplace of fashion. And then we've also got, you know, we're working right now in six countries as of, as of last year. And so we've got cultural language, time barriers in every respect. So I think just from a day to day, at day-to-day operations, you can just imagine um, that that creates some challenges. But definitely, there's been a few moments where, you know, either our team has had some major shifts in the way that we're putting in our time because uh, predominantly it's volunteer-run. Other than our, our other bigger fundraising events where we have we're contracted, we're predominantly volunteer-run. And so I think it's there's been a few integral moments where. Some of our team, whether they, you know, choose to evolve their position with Fashion for Conservation or, or step down altogether, it's certainly happened. Um, it's there's definitely been a few integral moments where you almost you almost question, is this even worth it? Because the amount of time and effort that you're not only giving but taking away from other things that maybe you think are important too, or maybe you think are more healthy in terms of, you know, not sleeping for three weeks on end to do something for, <laughs> you know, for a good cause. And I think that's a really, really, really real um, struggle that a lot of people deal with again from from any angle of a startup or a social venture and so you really have to be willing to see the big picture vision Mm -hmm. and so what's happened is in those few interval moments where you know it would have been really it would have been so easy to walk away yeah it really would have been and then you think you don't even yeah then you sort of remember why you're doing it and you say okay it's not really a matter of if we're going to keep going, it's how we're going to keep going because this actually has to happen. And if someone doesn't do it, then who will stand for it, right? So it actually doesn't really become an, a choice. It becomes necessary and therefore you just have to do whatever it takes to, to move forward. But I think when you're so committed to making something happen, you're so committed to a vision, there really is nothing you can stop you even when everything feels like it's against you, right? And and whether everything is your bank account is reached below zero, <laughs> per, you know, whether it's personally or from the business perspective or when you're sick or when you, you know, you've, you've missed three really important meetings because your flight was delayed or, you know, there's just so many things that happen over and over again that are, that are frustrating and just like, you know, most people would just give up on the spot. I think if, if they weren't, um, if they weren't really, really, really rooted in why they're doing it. And so, again, I think the three of us, um, the three founders, as well as a few other team members, it's still quite a small team. It's not really three of us, but we're just the ones who, who started it. Um, 
from a long-term perspective. Um, yeah, a few of us have stayed really with the cause, with the mission for a long time um, and and um, found our own ways to, to make it work, whether it's through other, other brands we work with or just making sure that we're doing enough bigger fundraisers where it makes sense for us to keep going. And I mean, there's always restructuring. There's always... Uh, you kind of have to break down to break through. There's always breakthrough moments. Every single time we do an event, I feel like we have a new breakthrough. And yeah, I think really the difference between between what we're doing and, and what else we could be doing is that we know this has to happen and we're in it together and we support each other and we, we almost operate like a like a family, you know, we, yeah. we are all human. We all fuck up. I, <laughs> I fuck up all the time. I am especially good at, you know, forgetting time differences <laughs> and, and it's annoying. It's really frustrating. I think our, all of our team has, has little quirks that are completely normal and just being understanding and compassionate and, and really actually like using the word, like, I love you. Like you're amazing. is super important on a day to day, on a day to day basis. That's, I mean, yeah, I don't know if you want me to give like a specific example, but I definitely think that, you know, every single day can be a challenge if you don't remember why you're doing it. And so to ground myself in, in why we're doing it, um, we have a meeting every single morning, um, the three of us co-founders and sometimes other team members join us. So it's uh, 8 a.m. Uh, PST, it's 11 a.m. EST, and it's, <laughs> you know, whatever the time difference is, where, wherever else we are in the world, um, for 4 p.m. where I am now and 5 p.m. GST, uh, we have a check-in and that check-in just really grounds us in what we're doing that day. And, and um, if there's anything personally that's going on, we're kind of there for each other personally as well. So like all things in nature, we evolve. Yeah. And, and like all things in nature, we succeed when it needs to. So that's, I think, uh, just the short answer. Of, yeah. Yeah, of course there's challenges yeah. every day. <laughs> so. That is a, a really great insight into, um, you know, what it takes and uh, it was wonderful that you shared all those different examples and how you know you support each other and you're compassionate and you accept mistakes but uh, it kind of you kind of answered the second question I was going to ask you about what gives you the courage to keep going when things feel completely impossible uh, you sort of tapped back into being focused on the why and grounding yourself but I, I don't know if you've got anything else to add yeah I think mostly just being really grounded in your why I mean for me and also I think knowing what motivates each other, right? So mm. like for me, what motivates me is visionary is like what's possible is what's out there. But for our president, Laura, who's amazing, she thinks in numbers. So for her, what motivates her is, yeah. well, what's, what's the numeric ROI of everything we're doing from a philanthropic standpoint, from a media standpoint. Um, and, and, you know, there's four types of personalities there's, there's people who are operated by, um, by being supported, people are operated by being promoted, which is like a visionary, which is like myself. Then there are people who operate by number analyzing numbers, and then there's people who operate by I'm forgetting the fourth one. Can you help me out here? What is it? Supporters, um, analyzers. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> there's four of them. Um, Anyways, creators, creators. No, there's visionary supporter anywho I should know this but there's four of them <laughs> we'll get back to it I'll, I'll let you know we'll I think put it in it. the show um, notes yeah perfect yeah <laughs> but anywho there's you know there's a philosophy of the what, what motivates different people and mm. I think it's super important to understand that you know the way that you communicate also has a lot to do with 
with how people are going to perceive it. So I think yeah. being grounded in our why, but being able to articulate the why in different people's language is is pretty key. Yeah, that's that's actually a really an amazing tip, and not just for people that are sort of interested in progressing their career or starting a business, but being able to communicate your why in a language that the people around you understand so that they can actually support your vision. Because I think if people don't understand your message, sometimes they find it hard to support you. Mm, exactly. And I just remember the four, by the way. <laughs> it's, okay, it's supporter, uh, promoter, analyzer, and visionary. Uh-huh. But yes, so being able to speak in those four languages is an important way of being able to get people to support you to your point that's a a lovely little summary there thank you (laughs) yeah Um, this podcast series is about um highlighting the lives of inspirational women like yourself and your other co-founders it also taps into an area that i'm really really interested in which is around um female confidence because um i think especially in the you know the entrepreneurial space around ethics and sustainability there's definitely a lot of women doing a lot of things but um just before i pull back on to that question because i have one that sort of lined up for you just a few questions away what does confidence mean to you in a, in a personal context and and in in business hmm that is such a good question and it's so it's so relevant to the way that I think being a woman means in our, in our modern day industry, whatever industry you're in. Um, so for example, for fashion, what used to make me confident, what used to make me confident, put emphasis on that (laughs) is look, is looking really good. Right. I felt really confident when I was wearing designer pieces that I loved and that really supported who I am. And, and if I didn't have that, you know, if I was just kind of, I didn't want anyone to take a picture of me. And that was kind of like, what made me feel confident. Mm-hmm. And then as I moved into the conservation space, what made me feel confident is being really smart about, you know, survival skills. Like I had to like kind of rack my brain from when I was a childhood and be like, okay, hey, right. How do I do tracking again? Like, you know, is a Puma the longer, the, the taller one or the wider one versus a Jaguar, <laughs> you know, just things like that, where it was the, what made me confident in that space is being really like, was being smart, right? And so I think whatever industry we're in, we tend to fall into confidence being what we do or what we have. And I think that is a problem, actually. I mean, I think it's a nice starting point, but I think it's a fundamental problem in the way that we value ourselves as women. Because actually what ends up happening, you know, the more that you travel, the more you see the more you see it out of context of how people are, how women are judging each other and how women are judging themselves. And you get a really overwhelming sense of, okay, well, what is consistent between all of these industries I'm a part of, you know, I'm in, you know, conservation and fashion and quite a few others I wouldn't even go into um, in terms of like the creative, I'm a dancer and I, you know, I'm a business consultant and I'm in a lot of different industries and what makes me feel confident used to be my ability to show up in those different industries. And I think after you sort of jump around enough times to enough cultures, enough types of friend groups, enough types of people, you realize that confidence is actually what what you can add um, just by being who you are. It's it's a state of being that has nothing to do with what you've done. And a really um, nice simple way to put it that I that I've heard is called the be do have. I'm not sure if you've I heard of it, it but yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, I mean, yeah, you guys can look it up. But it's essentially a you know I think it's a a mentality that has nothing to do with what you do. Has nothing to do with what you have. 
is everything to do with who you are in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, we're human. And sometimes we forget that we're beautiful. And we forget that we're successful. And we forget that we're, we're these things that we intrinsically are born in these ways. And so and what helps you remember is by having, I think, a consistent practice that sort of honors who you are. And for me, that's dancing. I, I like love yoga. I love dancing. And that reminds me who I am. Um, and also being around people who can also remind you, who can also say like, hey, don't forget, you're awesome. You know, if someone's having like a, whether they're having a, a normal day or a great day or a bad day, it, ne- it really, it really is so easy to take for granted the amazing people around you every single day, even if it's your grocery person who checks out your groceries, if they're just always smiling and you really appreciate that, like, sh- like voice your appreciation because they're, you really never know when reminding someone that they're, they're beautiful and fantastic in the moment will, will really actually wake something up in them. You just don't know. So I think, yeah, I think just remembering that it's, it's not what we do. It's, it's who we are. And then creating a life that, um, that supports that for people around you that remind you and, and activities in your daily life that, um, just sort of remind you who you are is super important. And that's, that's what confidence is to me is being grounded in, in who you are, um, with all the quirks, with all your childhood, (laughs) with all your fucked up family stories, with everything, you know, with every type of, of, um, of piece of human that you are, I think, I think who you are and, and fully being okay with uh, excuse me, sharing that is the ultimate confidence. I mean, I think that's just amazing. It's like you can be unstoppable in that space. So beautifully put, Ava. And uh, I, I really think that last sentence that you just you just said about being at peace and being able to communicate your story, like that's so, so important. And that's when I think you find, when you find that sort of inner peace with yourself and you're not afraid to share the good bits and the bad bits and this is me you know and I think that's Mm. a really interesting journey and and different women and different men and children you know everybody kind of goes on that journey at different stages in their life but it's um that's that last sentence uh really resonated and I think you're absolutely right confidence is it's it's really fundamental about who you are and being at peace Mm. with that So, so beautifully said all right, so Ava, you you've kind of you touched on a couple of these things uh, in in your last few answers to some of the questions, but I wanted to know how do you take care of yourself because you do a lot, and you've just said that you're in you've got your kind of foot in many industries or one barefoot, one stiletto, and I know that you do all of these <laughs> <laughs> all of these different things: yoga, dancing, traveling, in the jungle, production, fashion weeks. I mean, gosh, you do so much. But how how do you take care of yourself so that you, you you are still healthy and happy and you're able to deliver and do all these wonderful things yeah well I will definitely make a comment quickly that it's I think taking care of yourself is the difference between long-term success and short-term success I think that's number one to know and that's something I've had to learn I mean 100% there was a time where I wasn't sleeping ever and I wasn't eating consistently ever and I wasn't drinking water and there you know you it's just completely unsustainable and um, I wasn't dancing. I wasn't doing yoga. I wasn't in the jungle. I was just in fashion. I was that was part of the, my breakthrough of like something has changed because, you know, I would move and like it would it I, you don't even need to imagine, but you know exactly what happens to yourself when you don't take care of yourself. And I was like constantly in that space. Yeah. Um, and it it was actually when 
I stopped just literally like I stopped being inspired to to dance because dancing to me is something I've done my whole life. Um, like there'd be amazing music and I just like wouldn't be inspired to dance. And then I realized there was something really wrong because <laughs> yeah. something was like blocked. So anyway, I would say like in the last maybe four years or maybe even less than that, I've really gotten clear on on that last component of taking care of yourself is the difference between long-term success and short-term success. And it's only been then um, in that time that I've, you know, found, found a way to make health a first priority, because to me, the definition of a priority is something you do first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so if I, I know myself, if I'm not doing it first thing in the morning, I, it, it may get lost in the to-do lists of the day. Right. So every single morning, before I pick up my computer, really, I mean, it really is. If I have to pick up my computer for something, I say, you know, I need whatever, how many more minutes. It's really like being clear that, you know, if you, if success is your long-term priority, then health must be your number one first priority because that is going to be your only sustainable tool throughout all of it. So anywho, in the morning, I make that time. It doesn't really matter what you do in that time. But for me personally, it involves yoga, it involves you know, I like consist because I travel so many places, I really like to have something consistent. And what's consistent is I have like a particular soundtrack that I play like first thing in the morning. And it kind of just like grounds me in that day. And that, yes, I meditate, I do yoga. And I sometimes if I have time or if I create, if I make the time, then I'll, you know, do dancing or stretching as well in terms of doing a class or just, yeah, on my own. So that's just kind of my personal routine, but it's less important than the concept is just taking that first hour or even two hours of your morning before you talk to anyone else to to make health a priority. Amazing. I completely second that. Um, one of my other hats that I wear is I actually became a personal trainer. Um, I do it part time. It's not one of my uh, full time jobs, but uh, it was around. It was around me learning to respect my body. Mm. So it helped me get through a rather difficult time focusing on my fitness and I made my health and well-being a priority and then every, everything else shifted. So I think it's so incredibly important and it's so easy to lose sight of. Yeah, thank you for reinforcing that. I mean, you yourself are an inspiring woman the series, right? I think people come into your life when you are a way of being. Other people with a similar way of being come to you. And so every single person on this series is, is a reflection of you. So yeah, I mean, you've done such an amazing job at, you know, transforming people and being inspiring people and through your fitness um, coaching and through fashion and through all the industries that you're in, you're such a full power women. So definitely incredible to honor to be on your podcast series. And, and it's wonderful that, you know, you have such a great following of people who you'll, you'll be able to inspire through all these. So thank oh. you for being who you are. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for saying that. Cool. It's very, it's a, caught me a little bit off guard. Very, um, very honored to, for you to say something like that to me. So, um, yeah. Ava, I've got a couple more questions that I'd just like to ask you, but, uh, mm -hmm. I think what would be nice is to, you've shared so much value. I cannot wait to listen back to this, this interview. I think what would be lovely would be for us to sum summarize perhaps your top three tips to women that want to feel, more empowered, more confident in themselves or, mm. you know, if they're looking to create that change in their life so they can create a positive impact for others. I mean, and you're a perfect person to, to offer this advice. So what would you say your top three tips would be to our listeners? 
Yeah, I mean, this was one that I, the first one that comes to mind is one I think everybody has resistance to at first. I mean, it is because the nature of being, um, especially an entrepreneurial woman, whether or not that means, you know, your personal branding or, or really starting your a brand and, and running a business, um, the number, it, our nature is being independent, strong women who can do everything ourselves, right? And I think that this has, this the thing I'm about to say, has a lot of resistance around it because of just who we are naturally, but actually it's to get a coach. I mean, it really is so powerful to have someone who went those days that you are losing sight of, of why you're doing it, the days that you're just foggy because you've been staying up too late, like browsing Instagram or whatever you're doing <laughs> at the end of the day of checking emails all day. You're like, wait, I have a life. So you're like, you know, whatever whatever takes you into 4 a.m. the hours, <laughs> you wake up and you're exhausted and you're kind of like off track and, you know, whatever happens to you as an entrepreneurial woman naturally, I think that having a coach to just – keep you so clear on who you are that no matter how much sleep you've had, no matter, uh, you know, how much or how little of anything you are on fire. And I really can't, I can't even express that enough because I think for so many years, I was a coach for a lot of people. I do brand coaching and, and also just like, you know, people have been like, you do life coaching. Cause I do it kind of just to my friends naturally. Um, and I've seen the way it, what it does and impacts other people, but I've always been very resistant to it myself because it's, you know, it's another financial investment at the end of the day, when I have the opportunity to invest financially in something, I do it in conservation and, you know, in, in, um, in the natural world that I focus my life on. And so for me, it was, I, a lot of resistance came up. And when I finally decided to take that jump and, um, her name was Amy Yamada, my coach, she was amazing. Um, and I've also, you know, and part of that is, is creating a, a community of people who understand that mindset of being coachable, being vulnerable, being willing to jump in and, um, and start doing it uh, with guidance. I think that's the key is I've always been willing to jump in and start doing it. But having having that guidance is just is really powerful. I think it's confidence building and it's community building. And it's um, in the long run, a really minor investment to what to what it brings in your life. So having a coach is awesome. A fitness coach, you know, a branding coach and whatever. I would focus on one at a time, but having a coach have that um you know, even if you're a coach, having a coach for coaches, you know, Amy Amata is a coach for coaches and she's wonderful. I definitely recommend her, but you know, you've also got to find one that speaks to you. So anywho, just finding a coach, I think is the number one thing that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I shared it first because it's, um, yeah, it's something that I really found a lot of support with. Um, the second thing that comes to mind might just be more of a, a me thing. Um, mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm biased here, but I definitely think spending time in nature is super important. I think being in nature grounds us. It lets sort of our mind turn inside out and, and like refresh. And, you know, there's a science behind it as well. The, yeah. the soils breaking up releases positive ions, which bond with, or sorry, releases negative ions with bond with your positive ions, um, which is actually, um, not so intuitive. Positive ions is negative energy. So when you have stress energy, stress hormones, um, dirt that's breaking up, and same thing with waves waves that are crashing, they both release these ions that actually neutralize your stress levels. So sometimes when you're in nature, there's a science behind why you feel better afterward. I think being in nature is super grounding and can can make you feel like a clearer person, but it also is super healthy in every single way. Yeah, definitely. So my second thing, um, so your third, and specifically, third tip. 
Yeah, third tip is, let's see, maybe also a bias, but I would say, you know, um, self-expression is super important. Like, whatever that means to you, um, whether it's dancing or wearing clothes that really create the physical version of who you are on the inside like really being integrity with who you are and respecting yourself Mm -hmm. by showing up the way that 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 makes you feel on fire I think you know at the end of the day as long as it's not the only thing that makes you confident being in you know using fashion using expression using dance using makeup using whatever your form of expression is um can actually be a confidence um, enhancer, right? It can, yeah. it can be a, a beautiful frame for who you actually are. So as long as it's not the only thing you're using, I think it can be a really nice compliment. So. Amazing. Brilliant. So your top three tips is get a coach, spend time in nature and make time for self-expression. Yeah. Wonderful. Beautiful. Love those. Thank you for sharing. And um, so Ava, I'm going to just uh, ask you a couple last questions uh, because I just think that you're in a perfect space to answer this question because uh, I'm just really interested to hear your thoughts on women in the ethical environmental space because I meet so many. And, uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the people that I've met on my journey have been women. And is it coincidence that there are so many women and is it women in empathy for nature and for, for others in this space? But um, and what are your thoughts on, on it and why do you think that it appears to be women leading the way forwards? Um, well, I think they're a bit different. Um, mm-hmm. One is around nature. This is more of a like I think a general philosophical angle, which is that um, Mother Nature is a very it's a feminine energy, mm-hmm. um, and I think that we as women, I mean, there's several things that you know come up in terms of you know the way that we're emotionally structured, the way that we're that we physically are embodied. I think we're more inclined to be connected with with mother nature just because you know it's the nature of us like physically so like yeah. you know the way that we're built as humans is to embody this like caring nurturing energy and specifically like the mother nature has very feminine energy and so taking care of her is almost like taking care of each other it's taking care of our children taking care of our sisters taking care of our grandmothers our mothers and <laughs> i think that's a very you know a sacred way of looking at it but at the same time that's just that's the thing that comes to mind first um for me there and um then from a more practical angle i think um sustainability issues aren't just one aren't just cited toward women in general I, I actually see quite a quite a few I mean I, I you know I think actually it's the opposite in a lot of cases where it's a bunch of men in a room talking about environmental I do think it's like any industry has a tendency to be a bit segregated you know I yeah. see you know UN conferences and they're all white old male men in a room talking about sustainability and then I see a lot of like, you know, blogger eco fashion forums that are a lot of women in a room who have high followings talking about it. So I really think that there is both sides. And, and the question now is, well, how can we get them in the same room? Mm-hmm. Um, right. So I think that it's, yeah, there are certain movements that are particularly female oriented and there are certain things that are currently particularly male oriented. And um, I think it's just a matter of figuring out what is the what's the way to have them in a room in a productive way? Oh, gosh, um, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's a good question. I mean, <laughs> I think, yeah, that's all. 
That, that, that wonderful answer. And, and you're absolutely right. I think this se- segregation between the sexes is something that exists, but we should also recognise that we are stronger when we're together. So the male and the female force, it's the yin and the yang. There's nothing better, right? That's like the balance of all energy skills. Um, so, you know, it's wonderful that it's, it's happening and it might be gender biased in certain areas, but I, I think you're absolutely right. One final question, which I always ask my guests, and it's just around um, uh, great ethical or sustainable brands that are doing wonderful things to give back to mankind and the planet. So as you know, I run the Ethical Brand Directory, and I'm just so interested in finding out about other people that are doing wonderful things and they've created products or services just so they can get on my radar so that I can find out more about them and potentially offer them a space on the Ethical Brand Directory. So I wondered, do you have any recommendations? Yes, and of course I have hundreds of recommendations, <laughs> but in in the theme of three, I'll stick to three. <laughs> three is the um, magic number. <laughs> yeah, three is the magic number. Awesome. Yeah, one. Uh, yeah, one is. I'll just say what comes to my mind first. Evernew. They are um, the first company to successfully break down post-consumer cotton waste into a sugar, and they re-strew it into a fiber. That's. Um, that's a negative carbon footprint material. And they've just done a beta with Levi's jeans to make the first ever negative carbon footprint jeans. Just super exciting. I've done a collaboration wow. with Adidas now as another beta. And they're doing a really exciting collaboration in the fall. I can't talk too much about it. But definitely if you, if you stay tuned with Fashion for Conservation stuff, we'll be posting about, about Evernews next really exciting beta. Wow. Um and uh, yeah, Evernew is just one example of, I think, how uh, technology and sustainability overlap because they also tend to be segregated in, in their in their advancements in fashion. So that's really exciting um, from them. Um, another is uh, EcoAlf. They take uh, trash and um, turn it into they they uh basically melt all the the plastics not in a way that makes the fumes go out but they they break down the plastics in into a material that can make new polyurethane fabric out of and they've been able to really transform the way that waste management could look in the regions that they're working in now i think thailand and spain are the two places they're working now Uh, and the founder has also done some club some cool collaborations with other other materials as well like coffee did like a a collaboration um, like a Starbucks collaboration with breaking down coffee and putting that into the into the recycled plastic material concoction. So he's been able to really be like a leader in Guelph. Um, so that, they're pretty cool. And um, then there's one that recently popped up, um, and I guess this is a a text. I guess I'm focusing on textiles right now. Yeah. And I don't really know why, but um, there's one that, yeah, there's one that recently has popped up, which I think is super cool. And it's really new. It's not, I don't think it's out there at all. And it's not even a brand that's behind it. It's just an individual who I ran into at fashion week, um, with the sustainable angle, Mm -hmm. which is, um, one of the British fashion council's sponsored, um, organizations that just share sustainable textiles. Um, and there was a photosynthetic fabric, which is really cool. And it should basically, the woman basically inoculated cotton with something that could absorb, um, like carbon into, and through sunshine and, and take carbon into the atmosphere or something like this. Um, check my facts for sure on that one. But I think that, that could be a cool new potential. And there's tons, there's tons more. There's so many more I won't even go into. 
and you know pinya text with the with the vegan leather and the mushroom leather and there's so much cool textile stuff and then you know there's so many cool new things happening with you know collaborating with uh, materials that are ancient materials in collaborating with cultures that are ancient cultures but really bringing back what did work and what was sustainable to a modern context and that's kind of what i'm doing with the with the indigenous people through fashion for conservation and oha nueva in peru in the next few months so we'll see what that collaboration looks like and i think mm-hmm. i'll stick to those because i've talked <laughs> forever <laughs> definitely talk forever definitely hit a passion point on from you there mm-hmm. <laughs> um okay ava well look you've you've delivered a ton of value and i know that you know, anybody that's going to be listening in is going to be inspired by what you've shared today. But uh, I, I'd, I'd love, just want to thank you for taking the time out of your extremely busy schedule to be here and come onto the show. And I just want to um, allow you the opportunity to let our listeners know how they can find out more about you and what you do. Yeah, sure. Uh, fashion Door Conservation is easy. You can find fashiondoorconservation.com or Fashion Door Conservation on Instagram. Um, we've got an awesome London ambassador who's just started our Twitter. We're a little behind on that one, but her name is Elle. Um, and you can either follow her directly, um, on, on Instagram, which she's tagged in a bunch of our stuff. Um, or you can follow the Twitter, which she, which she runs. And so, yeah, we have all three of those. And then me personally, yeah, my Instagram, you're welcome to follow it. It's just kind of an eclectic mix of, (laughs) of, of, um, yeah, like, collecting cool jumpsuits in the world and wild places and fashion week and running around the jungle and then like loving chocolate it's all kinds of things on mine that has absolutely no cohesiveness in terms of branding <laughs> which is ironic um but anyways that's ava ava dot j dot homes h-o-l-m-e-s um and so you can follow me there or and i have a website that you can find there too it's avajhomes.com i think that's all um yeah stay definitely don't hesitate to reach out i'm always happy to hear from people especially our team if anyone has recommendations for cool collaborations we should know about or cool things we should cover we're always open to new ideas and new proposals to work with people and to feature people's work and i think um roberto the community you've um created around this podcast series is is really powerful so if there's you know an opportunity that we can can create opportunities for people we're always open to proposals amazing okay well thank you thank you for sharing all those details and Mm -hmm. um, thank you for you know for being here and delivering such a, a wonderful interview Yeah, thank you so much. Have a beautiful day, all of you. And yeah, maybe we'll see you in the jungle someday. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thank you. Okay, cheers. Bye. ever got stuck and wondered what's my why or woken up one day and thought I have no style or I don't know what my passion is have you ever thought I'm stuck and I want to discover who I am or have you ever felt like I'm not clear on my values and feel like you can't contribute to the conversation then I've got some great news for you Roberta Stowley is proud to present two new online courses, Discover My Why and Wear My Values. This is a two-part course, both separate courses that you can decide to choose one or the other, 
they offer an inside-outside discovery process. If this sounds like something that might excite you, I invite you to find out more. Visit the website robertastylelee.co.uk and see if you can find out your why and discover a way to wear your values. And this one is for all of those conscious fashion and lifestyle listeners out there. Did you know that the Ethical Brand Directory, www.ethicalbranddirectory.com, is where ethics meets aesthetics? That's right. I've been working on creating a selection of beautiful brands to help you look good, feel good and do good so you can wear your values. Don't forget to check it out. Have a beautiful day.